I got a message for your American buddy. I'm your wife, damn it! Ah, would have to go up to the wives in the library or the supermarket and say hello. I am new here. I know, George, you think I don't know anything, but I know people. I get 18 years of my life to stand in the same spot as you. You want your file? I found you your file. You want it out? I got you out. You needed money? I found you some. Now, let's face it here. I've got to, you know, latch on to something in my life. Oh, yeah, you blind. No use to try to sweet talk me, Miss Scarlett. I know you ever since I put the first pair of diapers on you. Who was going to love me? Who, who was going to make me feel good? I wish I had a mother like me instead of nice. Nice gets you shit. I got a two-inch thick solo in steak. Sit and defrost and wait this minute. When you and Guy come over and supper with us tonight, what do you say? podcast dedicated to celebrating and dissecting the performances of our favorite Best Supporting Actresses. My name is Nick Kachanov, and don't you think it should cost less to be alive? And my name is Colin Drucker, and it looks like I've fallen off the Weight Watchers bandwagon. (laughs) But more importantly, the humans. The humans. We did it. We're here. We did it. We with a bit of a you know a bit of a snafu here and there, which you know comes with the holidays. Uh, last week, you know, a little a little you know miscommunication situation. Yes. I think gave birth to a lovely episode. Yeah, and, it was fun. Uh, yeah, and uh, but now we are finally here to talk about the humans. Oh, the humans. I. I mean, we talked about it like really briefly last night, but like I, I really had to hold back texts. And I think I might have texted you. No, I didn't, because then we would have realized that, we, that I watched right. the wrong movie. So I didn't text you. And I'm very proud of myself because I just feel like this is such a, a best supporting podcast movie. And I don't know what that means, but I just feel like there are some movies that just hit or like check all the boxes for us and give us everything that we need. And I just loved this movie a lot. Those are my opening thoughts. I, I echo all of them and I, and I, I only add that it breaks my heart that it feels like it's being buried on showtime, you know, like, I don't know who's seeing this. It's not even like it's on HBO and like no shade showtime, but you and I both know who's the Coke and who's the Pepsi here, you know? (laughs) And I Pepsi Okay. Yes, Pepsi. Exactly, is Pepsi okay? It's never um, okay. So yeah, no, exactly. Like I can tell the difference. Yeah, put oh, the blindfold absolutely. on me. Do the taste test. Coke Pepsi challenge. Yeah, this is a Coke podcast. Okay. Yes, yes, we drink Coke in this house. Um, yes. I just feel like this movie is just been shuffled off to Showtime, and it's like, well, you know, if you can find it in between all of the reruns of Shameless, good luck. You know. Um, and it's a yeah. shame because I think there is so much good. There's so much great in this movie. And I feel like as much as, uh, you know, Anne Dowd in Mass is starting to feel like a bit of an Easter egg of a Best Supporting Actress role that might not really percolate in award season the way we wanted <sighs> it to, I think the even more rare Easter egg is Jane Howdy Shell as Deirdre in this. Uh, yeah. And I just want to call her Hootie Shell, and I might just do it anyway. Do just it. for the record. Hootie Shell, yeah. if you're nasty. Yeah. It's Hootie Shell, uh, if you're nasty, yeah. I know. I I can't agree more. It's like, um, you know, I feel like we need to start our own campaign company for actresses of, a, of our best supporting actresses because we need we need their names and performances to be scene i feel like this is a <laughs> i feel like this is a calling colin uh this is our you know our new side hustle that just uh takes over the world yeah we're we're doing a bsa psa you know yeah. that's really what this podcast is, is oh it, my god i love that we yeah. need to turn that into something that yeah might stick around yeah 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 stay tuned you know there might be a tote bag in that in that thing's future but <laughs> but i think you know yeah every episode in some way especially when we veer off from doing oscar winners really is kind of a like that thing that people do on twitter of like is anybody talking about this like we're yeah. kind of doing that with like polly draper and shiva baby or jane howdy shell in the humans he's like and great... coda too and coda which which is doing pretty well for herself actually yes yeah so she you doesn't know. need our help but yeah she doesn't need our coda. help yeah um mass needs our help you know uh yeah 
do we need to have another mass episode? I'll do it. I'll do it. <laughs> Third in a row. <laughs> yeah, man. I'm just like, yeah, just I'm watching. I'm be doing a minute by minute podcast of mass, you know? Yeah. Um, from the perspective of the table. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> just yeah. Like everything in the room. I, I, yeah, I agree. I don't know. I just, I think we probably talked about it on the mass episode, but I just feel that mass is a hard sell. It is a hard sell. It's like, Hey, do you want to watch this? really hard movie that's about a school shooting and like the parents of the shooter and one of the it's just like you lost me like w- long ago like I, or yeah. as far as me selling it I can't say that to my mom you know right. what I mean I could but she'd be like no <laughs> yeah I did and she was like oh and I was like oh sorry Ugh. you know uh, yeah it's yeah it's, sorry uh, I thought that I thought you'd be as excited as I was but never mind uh, yeah. and you know I think the humans is an easier sell but is a maybe is an equally I don't want to say difficult movie but I don't think it's an easy movie you know I think the the heart of it is you kind of got to work for it you know like I think the movie in so many ways keeps you at a distance in terms of like how it's filmed in terms of what you know about these characters in terms of what you get to see in terms of what you what's obscured I feel like this you feel like you're a part of this family just like trying to like understand like what people are thinking and feeling and i think Mm -hmm. it's it's an interesting challenge compared to mass where it's 90 minutes of what people are thinking and feeling you know that's Um, true so it's difficult in different ways but i think both are not an easy breezy 90 minutes i think it would be fun as we like cover movies to talk about the trailer for the movie Mm. And talk about like what you like because there's some and this is a great trailer, which is why I'm suggesting this. I think we can like make that like at the topic of the conversation of like, let's talk about the trailer first. I think that's uh, right. Like start with the trailer. I love that idea. Like we used to do like the Oscar speech and now the trailer. I love I let it be born. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I because can you imagine if we did the uh, the hours episode and watch that trailer? Because the hours trailer is bonkers for that anyone one, who hasn't seen it yeah that one in particular i'm sure there's all right <laughs> yeah. god i hope there's other ones but that one in particular is uh yeah oh god it, it it's, it's kind of like bad. how netflix has terrible thumbnails for all their movies oh that's like a whole yeah yeah <laughs> and that's they change a, they change to like the craziest photos sometimes yeah uh there's still this one with i think it's carrie mulligan i think it's called dirt and i'm like no i will not watch that because i hate the thumbnail so much Oh, yeah, we should. Yeah, that's something to keep an eye out for. I think the trailer did a really great job of actually telling us, like giving us the tone of the movie, making it like interesting. And for me, at least, I I knew that it was probably going to go somewhere dark. You know what I mean? From mm-hmm. Because it has that sort of like mood. But I could see someone, I don't know, like my mom seeing this trailer and like watching it and not being happy about like what it actually was. It could go over people's heads really easily. Yeah. I, I was kind of thinking like as it was ending, I was like, Oh, I I'd love to recommend this to my mom. Like I know my stepdad would fall asleep because that's just, you know what he does. But I thought, Oh, I'd love to recommend this to my mom. And I thought, Oh, I could just kind of feel like she's got a little more patience for things and, and, you know, can get into the nuances, but I could feel her not, you know, kind of looking at her watch a little bit like, Oh, come on movie, get on with it. You know? Um, and so I'm not probably going to recommend it to her. I feel like this is a, it, it's similar to what you're saying about mass. I actually find the humans to be like, not something I would recommend to everybody. Yeah. And it's like, we kind of answered our initial thesis of like, no one's talking about this movie. Cause you and I are not talking about this movie. I've, I've only told Keon about it. I've not told all the people that I've seen Mm-hmm. For whatever reason, like it's just because I just don't think they would. I don't know. It's not their type of movie. It's like a film, not a movie. It's heading like straight to the Criterion Collection. You know what yeah. I mean? It's one yeah. of those. Yeah. And honestly, this is the kind of movie that I would have loved to see in like one of those little indie movie theaters. You know, like that's I also oh, that would have been so nice. Right. Like just that kind of like, oh, they've got like, you know, Old Bay seasoning on the popcorn, you know, and, <laughs> you know, or some shit like that. And like, oh, look, they sell cookies that someone made and they're vegan and they're and there's a BSA. Bucks. Yeah. A BSA mm-hmm. behind the snack bar oh of course yeah bsa's in the wild we need to make bsa's in the wild write this bsa's in the wild like 
you know, um, lunch ladies. Yeah, lunch ladies, women who work at the clinic counter at Macy's. Uh huh. Um, Real estate agents. Yeah. Like oh yes. Your okay, mom's so I'm friend. That down. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> there's yeah. BSAs in the wild. Well, th- that's gonna be a whole series. Um, but anyway, so all, all that kind of going back to the fact that like the, for whatever reason, the humans. I think it. You know. I think it kind of went through the award. Uh, the film festival circuit Mm -hmm. and then i don't know why like i understand that things are all kind of just like getting released like straight to streaming is nothing new and i love that and i'm not a purist for things being released in theaters and i actually think more and more it's kind of like movies that are made like in hollywood used to be like oh my gosh well it's in hollywood that's the cream of the crop and you know broadway the same way and it's like well, no, that's just like the most well-known. Um, yeah. And I kind of feel in the same way that like, yeah, there's a lot of different streaming like HBO or Amazon or Netflix. I don't think of Showtime as like, a, it, it, that feels like a you know, not the top shelf. You know what I mean? Like, is that fair? You know, yeah. even though Work no, in Progress it, it is totally on it. Is. You know? Yeah, I know. We love Showtime for that. I, I just think, I mean, what I feel like, um, what's that? Um, I must call it. I don't know what I was about to call it, but the movie or the TV show with Claire Danes and um, Homeland Homeland was on Showtime. And I think Mm -hmm. that was like a good time for Showtime. But I I agree. It's like I always get Showtime and Stars confused. I don't even Mm -hmm. know if Stars is still around, but like I I associate them. I put them in the same cup. Um, So it's like these we're just like stacking these obstacles i mean the, i think that overall the movie's doing okay but we'll, we don't really know those numbers because because of streaming right like how do they measure that i don't know and you know like I, yeah i don't know what the like the measure of success is it's not like there's yeah. like people buying tickets all of that and, and i think that's there's probably a whole I- iceberg underneath that that explains why certain people like steven spielberg yeah. are like purists about movies being released on big screens um mm-hmm. You know, and and actors, I think there's certain contracts, you know, you you get a certain amount whether something's going to be released on the theater, in the theaters or in streaming. So there's probably all of that that I don't even care to understand, to be honest, because I've got a lot of Real Housewives to keep, you know, order in order. (laughs) I keep you warm. Yeah, right, right. I don't need to be figuring out how the film industry works. But I yeah, I, I guess to me, it's like whether or not it like makes money. I mean, that's none of my business, but like I just to see a movie that's so well done and so thoughtfully directed and so well acted and just like, I really just like such a great, well-made movie for it to just not have a big enough spotlight on it is such a shame. And, you know, it's, it's crazy to think that like no one is going to be talking about poor Miss Jane in this award season. <sighs> She's not even on that like variety list I of know. Like, performances I don't... to consider, you know? I mean, I think we need to, I'm like, this is the episode of just me thinking of all the things we need to do. Uh, I think we just need to make our own gold derby, clever name to follow for our, and it's just you and me. We don't take yeah. anyone else's opinion. No, really. And it's A all mostly subjective letter. and emotional. Yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, and only during awards season. So Right, right. Otherwise, you know, it's just going to be cares? like, uh, yeah, who cares? I was going to say it's going to be Pen15 updates, but of course those are. Uh, few and far between these days but they are coming and that's a deep tease so i guess just to back up for anyone who's like what is the humans because you know we we just kind of talked about how people don't really know about it so the humans was a originally it was a play it was originally off broadway at the roundabout and i think that's actually where i saw it and it was uh reed bernie who we know from mass reed Reed, and won a tony when it went to to broadway uh he plays uh the father who i can't believe his name i'm blanking on uh eric eric Um, so he plays eric and jane uh originated the role of deidre and so Mm -hmm. she and eventually won a tony for uh that once the production went to broadway and then sarah Steele played bridget who i have seen in a bunch of other things um, she was in an, an episode in Nurse Jackie. I have a feeling she probably popped up on 30 Rock at some point. I think she was in the movie Spanglish. She's, you know, she's, oh, she's nice. got a pretty good career. So she was in the Beanie Feldstein role, and um, I don't recognize the names of anybody else, but it was uh, Cassie Beck played Amy, and Lauren Klein played Momo, and Arian Moyed played Richard. So 
Yeah, uh, I don't know those names either, but uh, yeah. they're probably great and doing well. We hope. Yeah. <laughs> uh, the play was written by Stephen Car- Stephen. Karam? Karam. I think that's what Jane said in her acceptance speech. All right. Stephen Karam, uh, who wrote and directed this movie. This is his directorial debut. And I, I mean, I I, I felt like, you know, it, it was like watching Hereditary. I was like, oh, you have such a specific point of view. I can't speak enough to this, like the directing of this movie. I just think it was so stylized and cool and the shots that he was I, I mean it's is he giving he's giving us what we've always dreamed of holding the camera on the best supporting actress for a long time and everyone kind of gets their moment and i just think it is so stylized and cool and like scary in a lot of ways like mm-hmm. even like when there's certain shots through the um the apartment it, it almost felt like rosemary's baby a little bit like at times i was just like I was scared before I knew that I should that it was gonna get scary. If that makes sense, even though it's not scary, let's let's not. I, I, if I watched it, we're okay. But um, right, I just right. I just really loved it. So yeah, much. I, it was. I mean, I think that's a good point. Is that it's like it's the most it's the scariest non horror movie I've ever seen. Like it's. Yeah. It is like spooky, and so you know. Again, for anyone yeah. who hasn't seen it or seen the the movie or the the production, it's about you know this uh, this young couple, Richard and and Bridget, who move into this duplex in Chinatown that you know they probably get a deal on because it's nothing fancy. They're the basement and the first floor of the building, yeah. Um, and you know it's all pretty much interior views. Their things haven't arrived yet. And they're having Bridget's family, including her father, her mother, her older sister, Amy, and her grandmother, Momo, played by the indomitable June Squibb in a wheelchair, Uh, over for Thanksgiving. And it's, you know, and I feel like from there to to try to describe what this movie is about, it's like, it's about a lot. It's about, like, a lot. And I feel like even when I saw the stage version of this, I didn't fully appreciate how much this was about. Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. I will say, because I have said in the past I didn't love the stage version, and I maybe, who knows, maybe I was in a mood, maybe I had to pee, but um, (laughs) this is, from what I remember, this is the rare example where this is so much better and more effective and better suited as a movie than a play. Oh, I love that. It just I, like, I would agree, even though I've never never seen the play. I, I kind of understand, but go on. Well, I think that, you know, those those BSA moments where you just get like mm. a shot of just Jane sitting there or you get, you yeah. know, Amy in the bathroom scrolling on her phone or just like all of those little moments. It's hard to capture those on stage. And I feel like also the spooky moments, it's hard to capture those on stage as well. Yeah. And this, I mean, you you could get those tight shots of like Deirdre or Eric going down the hallway and you're like, oh God, oh God, oh God, here it comes. And it's like watching Insidious or something and you're waiting for like a clown to jump out of the wall or whatever happens in Insidious. <laughs> I've never, never seen it. But one of those kind of things where it feels yeah. like the, you feel like there's this swelling tension and... You know, and I think yeah, the one the play won a Pulitzer. It won, yeah, won a Pulitzer. It won the Tony Award for Best Play. Or I guess it was a finalist for the Pulitzer. I guess I don't know if that counts as winning, but it was a finalist. Oh, then Um, never mind. Sorry, Mr. Karam. Still, you know, (laughs) but still amazing. Yes, nothing to sneeze at. But I I remember (laughs) thinking, like, really, what about this is like Pulitzer Mm. when I saw the stage version, and yeah, like seeing the movie version, I. I get it. This is so, like, I love that there is just, like, an iceberg of problems underneath this day, you know? Yeah. Um, yes. This, all these people, it's just like, oh, you're all kind of fucked, and there's no real conclusion or solution by the end. Yeah, I think, using that iceberg metaphor, too, it's like, when I felt like, Maybe the reason why it's more, I guess what I'm trying to say, it's more compelling to watch like, um, you know, everyone still on the surface of the water. And like, I think it translates better to a movie, I guess, because how do you emote that much? How do you like tell? It's like you don't because you really don't know. I mean, once the iceberg starts to peek out of the water, of course, then it's like, okay, whoa, this is like really going fast. But I think that's what makes like why you would enjoy I would enjoy it more as a movie so you could see those moments when we talked about mass it's like mass is not 
you know, who's afraid of Virginia Woolf, you know, in a church basement. And the humans is not, you know. August Osage County or something. Perfect. Exactly. That's yeah. even better. The August Osage County in Chinatown. Um, it's, you know, I think what's fascinating about this, and I, I think before, one of the things you had mentioned before, before we started this episode was like the the ways in which conflict is navigated in this and that like there are a lot of quote-unquote fights and there is a lot of conflict and yet they never stay in a fight like there is always like it diffuses sometimes immediately sometimes a few minutes later sometimes it's like oh this is an ongoing fight that never you know never really ends and they're just kind of like picking at it but um there, there is like a real like rhythm that they navigate of like bickering about something and then laughing about it and then teasing someone about that and then moving on to a new topic and then bringing up the old thing again. It's like so finely orchestrated. Yeah, I it's like this huge crescendo into, you know, the grand finale. But I guess, you know, each of those little fights that they get, like that they forgive each other for slowly they start to not forgive each other for at the same time. But that really doesn't happen until like the end, the end. And mm-hmm. no one knows how, to, I mean, it's a big enough bomb to drop anyway, but I just think that like, I don't know, I guess it could go the other way too, because they just seem so great at conflict resolution, where, whether it's prompted from like a fuse blowing or them just saying like, okay, fine. It's, it reminds me of housewives when they just like sure, yeah. forgive each other so easily. And I just wonder like, like even one of those mini fights in my house would be like a month long, <laughs> like crazy. I don't even know. Um, but uh, it's, oh. it's just interesting. But yeah. yeah. If I had said to my mother, well, you know, maybe if you didn't eat a bucket of ranch dip before dinner, <sighs> that would be the end of dinner. <laughs> Be, I mean, yes. that'd be the end. And the fact that, like, yes. those, like, they can just, like, torpedo those in, and it's like, oh, okay. And, and it's, you know, and at that point, it's kind of like they're not laughing about the candle anymore. And so it's interesting. Yes. I mean, like, what this movie that only has, you know, really six people in it, there's also a lot about the the dynamics between duos, you know, and so, like, Bridget and Deidre, for example, I feel like towards the beginning of the movie, they have such a great chemistry and they like, they both laugh about things together and they kind of like, you know, there's a lot of playful teasing and, and then at some point it starts to turn. And I think that first, that line about, you know, you know, when Bridget says something about like eating the, the bucket of ranch dip, it's like the first time you realize like, oh, okay, we are on bad terms suddenly. Uh, yeah. And that might be over by the end of the night, but like, yeah, they're like housewives. Suddenly we're on bad terms. Yeah, it's interesting that you mentioned um, Jane Howdy Shell's character and then Beanie Feldstein. It's like, I feel like I wanted something in between. Like, I wanted something in between the squabbles and ranch dressing. You know what I mean? Like, mm-hmm. I just felt like, I don't know. It's But I'm still fine with it. Like, as far as like me forgiving things about that, there's few things to forgive because I, I just love it so much. But I, I would be interested. Maybe I, I would just be interested to watch it again to see more of that deterioration of like joking to like, oh no, I'm gonna come for you. Yeah, I mean, I think the two of them—that's like the reason that I—I I think I am gonna rewatch this movie. Is yeah, that relationship is so good. It's so like, and what I kind of like about it, and I think this casting amplifies this, and I—I th- I don't think this was the, the same for the stage version is. Um, it's never made like it's clear that like weight issues run in the family. Amy talks about it in that one. She's like, Oh God, I'm huge in that picture and I'm holding a funnel yeah. cake, you know? Um, <laughs> and, and Jay and Deirdre's on, on weight watchers. And like, obviously Bridget is a bigger girl. It doesn't come up in conversation. No one ever says anything about her weight, but yeah. there is something sort of shown and not told about weight issues in this family. And like, I think there are so many fascinating family dynamics but weight issues in a family is never boring. I like, I never, never, yeah. I don't know. Cause that has been, that is a prevalent part of my extended family, my immediate family, myself being conscious about reading the nutrition labels and sure. reading prevention magazine, you know, Oh my God. Prevention. Uh-huh. 
oh my god like all the recipes from cooking light colin i'm right there with you right I'm right th- my yes go on though well so that. was this did you have a similar like was how was what was the where did weight live in your childhood yeah. and your family how as an issue I my grandmother is both were always on diets. I mean, I think uh-huh. that's also like a generational thing because like my grandma was like 87 years old and she's like, I'm starting a new diet on Monday. I'm like, if I'm 87 Ugh. and I'm still di- I don't I don't want to think that way, but no. it's just part of them. And my grandma, my mom's mom, Dorothy, um, she has been, I think, for almost as long as I've been living, been in. A like a, a local diet club with these ladies. She goes every oh. Monday, and at this point, there's too, the BSAs course, in the wild. I mean, I mean are you kidding me? <laughs> that's why I thought of this because I went. Oh, Colin, I just wish you could have came with me. Mm. We went to my grandma Dorothy's craft show this this uh, this past weekend. You got to was, go. Yeah, we got to go. Yeah, I almost had COVID, everyone, but I don't. <laughs> oh, good. Oh, thank God. Yeah, uh, everything's fine. Um. Yeah, so I got to go and just like, oh my God, it's like craft show women are, are such BSAs. And like oh, the people yeah. that are, you know, like making in Pittsburgh, we have halushki. It's like a very popular, it's just like a shit ton of butter, noodles, onions, and cabbage. And it is uh, one oh of my, my favorite God. things. It's so good, but it's always at every, like, sometimes it's at a fire hall. Mm-hmm. It's just great. Um, but yeah, uh, we were talking about dieting. So she's been... Um, yeah, she's just been doing that, and my mom was all. My mom was in that um, uh, group for a while. Um, my grandpa used to call it Skinny School, but um, oh, it's called it's called Die Club. I thought that was pretty cute, though. My grandpa, he would always get excited every Monday when she'd be gone. <laughs> yeah, skinny School, yeah, yeah, Skinny um, School. Anyway, um, yeah, there were slim, there was Slim Fast in my house. There was, you know, when the Atkins diet was big. Like, mm-hmm. I think I was in high school by then. I was like, maybe I'll try it too, and the whole family did it, and. Yeah, I I've always sort of been conscious of it, I guess. But I'm glad I didn't. The bug didn't bite me as hard as I <laughs> at times wish it did. But like, I'm also glad for it. That's that's where I am. Did you did your mom ever buy the Weight Watchers uh, English toffee dipped ice cream pops? Chocolate no. pop dipped ice cream pops. Oh, those uh, I I. Hopefully they're not real dairies that I could still eat them, but such a huge part of my childhood. Fucking delicious. Oh, my God. Weight Watchers got it right with that dessert. I love that. Do you remember Snackwells? Like, Snackwells were big. Of course. The The green box. Yes, yes. I I think that that's... And like my mom got the stepper because then like we had, you know, we had all the Uh the exercise equipment of the time. Um, Yep. We had, we had a treadmill. We had, then we had an elliptical and eventually they got a bike. There was the firm, which was an exercise tape that came with two steps and a weighted pole. And I'll tell you the firm workouts. I used to do the firm. I used to do a lot of exercise tapes in the basement um <laughs> because you know i because i you know and, and this is sounds way more tragic than it is it's not even tragic but i i i can laugh about it this is not a sensitive topic i guess what i'm trying to say is i think in my growing up around the age of 12 actually i know what it was is i went i had a physical around like 11 or 12 years old and you know your body is like maybe you're not as tall yet as you're going to be but you're you're packed on the weight already i wasn't a heavy kid but the doctor, I remember the doctor saying to my dad, like, well, he's a little chunky. And it was over from there. And <gasps> I became so self-conscious about my weight and about what I was eating. And I became obsessive about, like, nutritional labels. And I used to – we had a treadmill in the basement. And I used to, like, listen to my, like, CD disc man – and watch the real world Boston with closed captioning in the basement on the treadmill. <laughs> I mean, like, no one was gayer, you know? Uh, Tell me you're gay without telling me. Yeah, I know, gay. really. Right, in our gross, unfinished basement, you know, with the asbestos oh, yeah. snowing down on me from the pipes. Washing and, it down with, like, a cold Sprite afterwards. Yeah, of you know? course, of course. Uh, and, and it was just, and you know, it just became this obsession. And, uh, and I think I just, like, my mom never... My mom wasn't like 
she didn't instigate this in any way. If anything, yeah, she had the same things, and we just became kind of like our own little diet club, you know? Yeah. Um, oh my gosh, I had I had a very similar experience with my uh, like my doctor when I was younger. I would say maybe this is between the ages of ten. I don't know, 10 and 12. So this was a while. He was one of those doctors that would only talk about how fat I was in like in, in the office. And I remember like being shocked by it because like in a way you always know, like I was a husky kid. I was definitely mm-hmm. chubby and I didn't thin out like at all until like junior year. I got like my braces off and contacts and I was like wearing my puka shell necklace and I thought I was the shit. Oh, the swan had arrived. Yeah. Yes. But I I hated it because every time he went, because I see TikToks now of like people who are overweight and especially women who have to deal with this bullshit. And I had it just for like a, a small portion of my life and hated it. And I can't imagine always having to go through that. Um, but yeah, my doctor was a dick. He gave me a, a menu of all the, fa- it was a brochure of all the fast food restaurants, like Burger King, McDonald's, Taco Bell, and the calories. And we would like go through it. Oh and I was like, oh my God. But I like, I, I mean, I, I wasn't that affected by it. Like I took it home and I threw the brochure like <laughs> in the garbage. Like I right. didn't care, but like. I was like, get off my balls, doctor. Right. Literally. Right. Yeah. Right. Also <laughs> that. Yeah. Um, anyway. So. Yeah. Diets. Am I right? Diets. And, and so like, and I feel like now that we're kind of talking about it, I feel like we don't see it addressed in movies like this. I feel like if it's an issue, it's like a central issue and it's all about the main character and she's fat and you know, there's all, there's like some, and you know what I mean? Like versus it's it's part of the narrative i love that the way that it comes up with amy is like the way that anyone who's self-conscious about their weight is is they look up at a picture of themselves at any point in their lives and go oh god i'm huge on this you know yeah and like very relatable yes the hair trigger and the moment they showed that i was like oh god i know your whole life story amy i get it (laughs) and and she's like i'm even holding yeah i'm even holding a funnel cake i can't even blame genetics like just the She's the, great. She's so and she's perfectly cast. I thought Amy Schumer was so good in this role. Um, yeah, she kind of looks like the original gal who played Amy as well. I just I love that the character's name is Amy too. That's just yeah, that's, that's kind of yeah. fun. Um, I know, and the fact that there was a character named Richard and it's not Richard Jenkins, I had to kind of you know. Oh yeah, uh, that's true. Oh, Stephen Yun, just like uh, such a goose. Yeah, he was you know, and it's funny. I feel like even though there, it, it's all set at Richard and Bridget's apartment. I had kind of forgotten that they aren't the main characters, you know, like they're, it really is about Eric. And then I would say Deirdre, I feel like Mm -hmm. it's surprising how much the movie becomes more and more about them. And it's not really about like Bridget and Richard figuring out their lives and whatnot. But like, you know, that that narrative is going on at the same time. Um, But he was like, I forgot. I mean, I knew that I remembered that he was a Minari, but like it, it, a totally different person in this movie, mm-hmm. just like totally yeah. different in a way that was like, Oh my God, that's the same, same guy from Minari. Wow. Yeah. Uh, he was fabulous. He was, he was lovely. I loved, I loved that moment when he won the family over when he said, Oh wow. She, uh, she kind of incinerated you, uh, when they were yes. going around smashing the pig. Um, yes. And that felt very relatable as well. Like my family, that would be a similar, like everybody would, go wild for that yeah yeah because it's like that it's like it's like a bunch of drag queens it's like a a respect for a read you know it in ways this felt like such almost like a documentary like an yeah like a documentary with the volume turned up turned up we'll we'll throw Ina in there um I just it seemed like they didn't know the cameras were there and I mean we were talking about Jane and Beanie at the beginning too it's just like I those the one-liners, like, I can't get over how lived in this character is for Jane Howdy Shell. Like, yeah. she's, she's like, your toilet seat is broken. I love you. I'm just saying, like, the way that uh, she can just toss these lines, yes. I'm just like, so oh casual. my gosh. While she's yes. walking away, I love you. I'm just saying. It's, and, you know, and, and I, I think the fact that she is, you know, is this woman, that she's originated the role and she played it on Broadway and, like, I, I cannot believe that she was in the movie. Like, 
it's a would, miracle. It's a it miracle. I, I, you know, I, I the half a part of me expected it would be like a Margot Martindale. Yes, it, Colin, that's in my notes. Right, I hate that you said it first, but yes, yes, it could have easily. It could have been, and easily. she would have been lovely, and there would have been some great moments. But like Jane, there's something. I mean, she's obviously she's just a powerhouse on Broadway. She's amazing, yeah, and like. The idea that she wouldn't be cast because she's not as much of a, of a movie actress is ridiculous. She's she stole this movie for me. I I yeah. just absolutely watch out Westons because best supporting mom is is Deirdre. Ugh. She first of all, I wrote down the line. You know, Pam Hoban has ovarian cancer. Yeah, it's just like those conversations <laughs> yes. that you have with your mom. Because like the older you get, the more your parents just talk about like how everyone's dying, especially it's just right like, or this per you know all this stuff too. And it's like I don't I don't need to know that. I mean I do. I'm glad I know it. I guess it's like a weird sentence to say, but like can we can we not do this? I just like I love that. And yeah. that's the writing. That's the writing too. We have to keep going back to Stephen. And I feel like, you know, also credit to Stephen is like, for example, that that scene of her sitting at the table talking about the email um, or talking about the, the girl who had killed herself, who was a lesbian. Oh, There's yeah. these like long, unbroken shots that's just like dedicated to just like I think a lot of people get these moments. But Jane gets a couple of these moments where it's just a long, unbroken shot of her talking about something or, you know, processing something. And and that was so like, again, like. I think this movie, the way that it it brings the stage experience to the screen and like and gives us the best parts of a play is these unbroken moments of an actor just being a character, you know, and like letting us just watch, you know, an interaction play out without any interruption. I feel like we got a lot of those moments in this movie. But then the benefit of it being a movie is then you get the close up on Jane. So you don't miss a single nuance while she's telling the story. I like I think this and Who's Afraid of Virginia Woolf are like my are, you know, arm in arm in terms of like adaptations from screen stage to screen. Yeah, I love that it's almost like a play that's a movie that's a movie that's a play. It's like it's 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 both, but it's mainly a movie, and that is like a really hard balance to find. And I think it's through those shots, like you were saying. I just, I mean, we have to call. We have we have to call. I wish we could call Jane Hootie Shell. I'm like Jane, you're on the air. Jane, hi. Um, <laughs> Can I call you Hootie Shell? Yeah. Yes, I. There are a couple moments of Jane too, but like. The cupcake scene is what I Oh my God, the I, cupcake scene. Like talk about like, I was devastated for her. I like knew what that felt like mm-hmm. and I was sad for her and I was sad at like, you know, what Eric, played by Richard Jenkins, said to her in the other room that like just her, her she's just reacting. She wants a cupcake. Richard Jenkins said some, says something pretty cutting he and says, oh, like, give her one with all the frosting. That's the one she wants. And it's just cutting enough. But I mean, it, yeah. that's shitty. That is a shitty thing to say. It's And it's, and I can hear it. it's one of those things that like, it, it could be like where it's not even like 100% intentionally malicious. It's like absent-minded mm-hmm. maliciousness, you know? It's just like when an old married couple is like, you know, the husband says something and the wife is like, why would you say that? And he's like, he wasn't even thinking, you know? Yep, yep. Um, and and to see her because this is that's the part where she says, well, I guess I'm really off the Weight Watchers wagon now. And so she's going to give in and say, well, it's Thanksgiving. Which one am I going to want? And that's when he says that about the frosting and watching her then silently, no words, just in like body language in her face, just kind of retreat to eventually be like, no, never mind. Oh, my God. It's oh so my good. God. <laughs> the cupcake scene is like the cupcake scene. It's so important. <laughs> I feel like we need to have a category, maybe like kitchen table, like kitchen, you know, in the kitchen scenes. Or well, something yeah, like this, this, around the d- table. It feels like an extension of the of best supporting kitchen scenes, like Mary yeah. Town. Let's go to the dining room. Yeah, Kramer versus Kramer. I mean, yes. I think that was our very first like Family oh, Stone. Yeah, yeah, great things happen in the kitchen. Yeah. Yes. Um, yeah, this was, I mean, oh my God, best supporting mom in a great kitchen scene. What a combination, you know? Yeah, forget about it. It is just, Ugh. it's gold. I mean, I just, 
her lines, I, she said, I bought blueberry donuts and you ate three, so don't act like you're better than me. <laughs> like, I I was writing everything down that she, I have like, I have a whole page I could go on. I please, won't. please. I, I, no, 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 I please. might choose, I might choose yeah. just a couple here. First of all, I mean, this is something she didn't say, but I was like, the physical comedy. Her falling backwards into that recliner Oh my God. Is yes. And then she's Perfect. in hysterics. I, the amount of laughing they do in this movie, and that was so refreshing that, like, it was so real. I couldn't believe it was dialogue, but I love those moments where she would just start laughing about something. Ugh, and, and that, that moment in the chair was, ugh, oh, my God. So funny. It felt like a blooper. Yes. I was like, oh, my God, this is all so unbelievably believable. Yeah. <laughs> and I hate, it sounds like such a simple thing to say, but I really have never seen... It almost reminded me of like Rachel getting married. You know how like uh-huh. they were all just like filmed on set and did it in four or five days, and everyone like lived there. You know, it's I yeah. just feel like you can't. This chemistry doesn't happen all the time like that. Really, it's it it's so like you would have expected this was the entire Broadway cast. You know, you, you would have thought like, oh, they've all done this for a while because yeah, even though she's the only one who's moved over from Broadway, they all felt like the chemistry between all of them felt very real. Yeah. I mean, I have two more Jane How to Show lines to, to, to deliver here, and I think it was it was w- during the good sort of banter at the beginning between um, uh, Bridget, Bridget, Bridget. I don't know why yeah. I'm I'm second guessing that for some reason. Um, Bridget and Deirdre are like I think they're chasing each other like up the stairs or something. Maybe she's like, "I'll give you a fancy candle, you smart ass." Keep oh walking. yes, <laughs> it's just like she like gooses her or something. It's it's right. so funny and so. Oh, I just love her. And uh, there was one more. Maybe that was the last one, actually. Pam Hoban has ovarian cancer. Yeah. Uh, yeah, that's pretty much it. That Those are, yeah. Yeah, yeah oh. she, you know, she gets all those lines. And then there is that crying scene that <sighs> starts from, like, the room over. And then just, like, she's just sitting there alone at the table. And then, and it's, like, towards the end of the night. And... It's just like slowly zooming in and you're just kind of it's not even it's sort of reminiscent of like Nicole Kidman in birth that scene at the opera where it's like it isn't a major meltdown, but you're watching every moment of someone starting to cry. And then, yeah, then she puts her face in her hands and starts to cry. And it's it's heartbreaking and amazing Mm -hmm. in like kind of what you were saying and similar to what we learned about mass that like. Uh, they the cameras were not in the room is there's a lot of moments where it does feel like the camera isn't there and yeah. you know where it's like yeah I kind of feel like I'm eavesdropping in on a moment and that felt like a real documentary moment where it's like oh they've caught this this you know uh, private moment with De- with Deirdre that we're almost not supposed to see and, yes you know and then of course I think what always makes a crying scene more impactful is when somebody is trying to pull themselves together, you know, cause I think then like Richard comes back in the room and Eric comes back in. I think they went to like call the car, you know, they're kind of starting to wrap things up and her just kind of being like trying to act like everything's fine. It's just yeah. like, I think that's even more powerful is like the restraint of that, you know? Oh yeah. Like the way that she's like this shot or this scene we're talking about is like when I think you were starting this too. Like when you're on a reality show and they, you know, on Drag Race, they take you behind that one curtain and, you know, like a producer's there, but, and they're like having a meltdown on their own and then they're good. <laughs> it's just like mm-hmm. one of those, it's just for us. And I think she's just desperately trying to be so quiet too. Like she just doesn't want to yeah. like make it known, but she can't hold it in. And like, and this leads me to, I think, I think we'll be in agreement on this, but I kind of don't want to, do you want to talk about like, it's not a spoiler, but like the big thing, or do you want to just not? Because I think we've kept I think, it vague enough to yeah, not. Yeah. I think it works. I wouldn't want to know. I mean, I'm hoping right. you would have watched the movie, but just in case like you're curious about it and already listening, I think it's, it's, we should keep it safe. Yeah, I think so. I mean, I think if there's any truth to my complaint or, or you know, our, our shared, you know, feelings about this movie being buried on Showtime, maybe a lot of people haven't seen it yet. And so yeah. um, I, I don't think we've spoiled anything. Yeah, no. no you know, I these are just so some of the, the details. I mean, we haven't really – June Squibb, it's, it's a – she spends much of the movie in a wheelchair. She doesn't have much real dialogue, but that prayer, I clapped. I clapped with the oh family. Oh, my gosh. 
so cute. So I loved that. they're all saying grace, and suddenly Momo is present. And it's probably because she said grace a thousand times in her life, you know, mm-hmm, uh, mm-hmm. 20,000 times, you know. And so it's just like those synapses are still firing. And for a brief moment, you know, and, and, and it may not be true, but they feel like for a brief moment she's back, you know. Yeah. And even Eric's like, oh, here's your granddaughters. Do you recognize them? And, uh, you know, and then she kind of goes again. But, like, she doesn't get many lucid moments. She does get to scream, they're coming for you, you bitch, or whatever it <laughs> yeah. is. She has some pretty good screamy lines. And I did appreciate, because this is so, like, a, a just a cross-section of the human experience that, like, I feel I haven't really seen a lot of, is, like, you you taking care of your parents and really uh-huh. seeing, like, the messy part of it. And yeah. like how hard it is and how financially difficult it is if you don't have the right means to do it and how you just have to do it. And that's like it adds a layer to Deirdre because, you know, like even though it's Richard's mother, the mom just takes over, not takes over, but like, you know, does the work. Well, I, you know, I think was a, it's such a great example of what you what you just said is and I, I think we'll save it. But the email moment, because oh, she yeah. says to Eric come on, you're going to ask me to finish it anyway because he's uh, too emotional. Yeah. And and it's great because we, then we get, you know, Jane reading it. But that was a heartbreaking moment as well that I just, uh, I mean, yeah. in terms of a hallmark of a Best Supporting Actress kind of movie and a Best Supporting Podcast kind of movie, we also get some beautiful talking through tears from Amy Schumer. Yes, let's talk about it. I just, yes, go. <laughs> uh, it's it just it's this great little moment because she's re- you know recently broken up with her girlfriend and the way that it's worked in that she's a lesbian is also so artful and when you look back it's like oh of course that's why Deirdre is sending her the thing about the the yes, girl yes. killed herself oh, it's like, egg there yeah yeah and it's so there's never an issue with it you know like I just it it was so refreshing there's never it's never made a plot point that. Bridget and Richard are different races, you know, like that never comes up. I just found there was a lot of like really boring notes that could have been played that are just completely disregarded. And so it's uh, it's an afterthought that Amy's a lesbian and that she's broken up with her girlfriend. But yeah, she, you know, calls Carol at one point just to, you know, hear her voice on on Thanksgiving and it's not terribly well received and there's that great scene between Eric and, and Amy and uh, it's just the way he hugs her I thought was uh, just uh, heartbreaking. And that that line that she says is so it's like what everyone wants because he's basically trying to say like things will get better you're gonna be okay and she's like stop just stop saying that. Yeah. And then she's like but but don't stop keep saying it and then she like breaks down again it's like of course, that's how like all, all of us feel. Like we want to just be like, I mean, she was frustrated too. She's angry about it. It's just like she's going through it. But I really enjoy. I loved how that sh- uh, scene was shot. I love that yep. it was like this tight hallway scene, but you could see it from the other room. Ugh. Yeah, we were like in the other room watching this happen in the hallway. I thought that yes. was so. This apartment, by the way. Yeah. What a fucking set. I mean, I'm assuming. I don't know. I'm assuming this was filmed on location. Um. I will say the last shot in the movie is is what the stage play looked like. And yes, that, I was just going to say that, yeah. And if it's the most stagey kind of moment in the movie. And it was a beautiful tribute to, like, the actual stage version because that's how it ends. Yes, yes. Um, and I just I, – I was kind of like, oh, my God. Oh, wow. What a – oh, Stephen. I know, Stephen. But, um, yeah, this apartment, this is such – I mean – they use this apartment so well as a setting and it's spooky and creaky and gross and like fascinating. And I wanted to get in a tour of it. I felt like there were just so many rooms. It was really, ugh. yeah, you know, you could done right. You could really, you know, dress that apartment up in your love, you know? Oh yes. And I, I, I loved seeing even just like the slightest bit of that, you know, like granted the recliners broken, but you know, there's a nice lamp, uh, yeah, and a, g- a nice end table, and they're just they're just kids. Yeah, but they're yeah. not. I feel like they're early thirties. I don't know why that like, because he well, yeah right. 
I'm not entirely sure the year this was set because there seems to be this uh, this underlying story about 9/11 and that like oh yeah he was I think maybe she had an interview on the 34th floor yep. mm-hmm. and he was you know waiting at a Dunkin Donuts because the observe observation deck wasn't open till 9:30 and there's this kind of like understanding of like you know we we all dodged a bullet that day. Yeah. And of course, you know, later we see the freedom tower in view of their apartment building, you know, that it's sort of looming over their life is this, you know, this moment. So it yeah. almost feels like this is like 2011 or something like that. You sure. Know? Yeah. Um, and they're like in their thirties and she's, you know, uh, clearly a very talented musician i i looked up i was like what because it's some of the only music in the movie the that piece that they use as her the thing that she created is called Mm -hmm. valencia and it's written by caroline shaw and performed by the attica string quartet so beautiful um and there's other than that i mean the soundtrack for this movie the four songs it's just also an amazing soundtrack it opens with a steve reich piece and then it has Billie Holiday singing Autumn in New York. And then yes. it closes with a Philip Glass piece. It's just, Ugh. I couldn't have asked for a better soundtrack. <laughs> I know, it's crazy. Yeah. Oh, All the so. boxes are checked. Yeah. I saw the boxes and they were checked. And they were checked. It was, I mean, I, yeah, this is a such a high recommend. I, I, I'm actually very, very excited to watch it again. And, and just, I feel like there's so many little details that are kind of waiting. And a lot of them is just watching Jane. I think so, too. And I know, you know, we're nearing the end of our episode, but I, I feel that I just want to give Richard Jenkins a little bit of a spotlight. I know yeah. we've mentioned him. Yeah, but he is. It's so well cast. Like what? I mean, now that Reed Bernie's like a big movie star. Wow. Well, um, I, I mean, feel like wouldn't that have been cool to see him in this? But then we wouldn't have got him in mass. And that's crazy to think about. Yeah. Um, to be honest, yeah. I, there was a part of me. It was like, oh, I kind of would have loved Reed Bernie in this. But yeah. I love Richard Jenkins. Yes. He's I like one of the few like male actors where I'm like, oh, oh, I want to see that. He's like the male Mary Kay place. I'm like, oh, okay. It's Richard Jenkins. Of course I want to see that. And Oscar nominated Rickard Rickard Jenkins too. I feel like, I feel, I would love to see him get nominated. Do you think he will? I feel like I see his name. Yeah, I I don't know what it's going to take because he was nominated for what? The Visitor, I think, which was like a little, uh, in indie-ish movie that they're actually doing a musical of now. Oh my goodness! I don't know how I feel about that, but uh, but that you know musicals. Um, I don't know. I mean, I don't think I feel like this movie could get recognized. Should be recognized for like sound design and for cinematography and for like adaptation, adapt like direction. Like, there's obviously best supporting actress. I feel like there's so many things this movie should be up for consideration for. And dollars to donuts, I don't think it's gonna happen. Um, so <sighs> that makes me really sad. Richard, yeah. Uh, to go back to Richard for a second too. He's been in so like he was in Olive Kitteridge with mm. with Fran he won an Emmy for that he was also nominated for um the shape of water for best supporting actor right um, 2018 right. for an Oscar so two Oscar nominees or nominations he was in like grown-ups or not grown-ups uh what is it called stepbrothers I was reading the word grown-ups because that doesn't matter why <laughs> it was just yeah. on the same page and I just feel like he's one of he's like the the J.K. Simmons of the world's you know, he is, I feel but like he's one of those. Yeah, like you know, a, a, a warm, you know, grizzled, bald, older guy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't know if he's a queen though. Is he a queen? I was I feel just like, thinking that. I don't. I'm know. think I'm I'm in like on a scale of one to Tracy Letts. It's a different kind of dad, and maybe it's just because this movie's so fresh. But overall, I love Richard Jenkins. I would I could totally see him, you know playing Laurie Metcalf's husband and uh, uh, Lady Bird. Lady Bird, thank you. Yes, um, and yeah. Amy Feldstein would be in it again. So it'd be oh a gosh, nice little yes. reunion for everybody. Full circle. Um, yeah, talk about a movie star now. I, a, a Broadway star I now. Oh, like yes. Beanie is year just... Of Beanie. Yikes. Um, and I'm here for it. I, I, I think it's just worth repeating. I think she's fabulous in this movie. I think yes. she is so... She is such a movie star like she's such Mm -hmm. a like like just charismatic i think so too have you seen her in book smart yeah smart yeah that movie's so good they call it the female super bad and i know that's like 
I should we shouldn't call it that because it's it's its own sort of thing and it's so good. It's yeah, so I good. Go I really liked it. Um, yeah, yeah. Uh, do I always think like, why did that teacher go to that party? What is she doing? You know, it's very true, very true. What are you gonna do? Uh, <laughs> anyway, any other? I know we're, we're kind of at the you know we're at dessert and our Uber is circling the block. But any other? <laughs> any thoughts on on? The humans. The humans. I just, I, I think it's a beautiful movie. Maybe not for everyone, but I, I want everyone to see it. Yeah, I agree. I agree. I, it's I, certainly for us. And I mean, even Jane and Jane Howdy Shell's speech, her Tony speech, which I watched several times. Of course. Um, she thanks Stephen um, Karam for like being so young that we have many, many, many more plays and other mm-hmm. projects. So I'm. I'm excited for that as well. So him and Fran Kranz take over the world. Yeah. Team up. Come on now. Um, yeah. Fran and Steve. Yes. I love that. Yeah. Well, uh, on that note, it sounds like we're being played off. So where can folks find more of you? Uh, they can find me on Twitter and Instagram at Nick Kachanov, and they can find me on my other podcast, The Good Vanilla, which comes out every thir- uh, Thursday and is a Barefoot Contessa podcast. Well, that sounds like delicious, yeah. honestly. Yeah. yeah. Uh, well, you can find more of me on my other two podcasts, All Right, Mary, tweeting out about Dragula, which is wrapping up soon, and um, I guess season 14, which is coming soon. Uh, RuPaul's Drag Race and you can find me on In the Details a celebration of nuance and you can find me on Twitter at Colin Drucker Instagram at Colin Drucker underscore and you can get more of both of us in a best supporting capacity on Twitter at BSA pod or you can send us an email at the BSA pod at gmail.com now I am gonna stop the music stop <gasps> the music what? thank you I Whoa. I will not be played off. This is very important because while everyone is peeling their peepers about the best supporting after show, we have a pretty important announcement about the best supporting after show. We are starting the best supporting Patreon. Yeah. yeah. I'm so excited. I think it's going to be a lot of fun. I mean, we have already brainstormed three extra, you know, bonus episodes on this podcast episode alone. So yeah, see BSAs in the wild <laughs> coming that, soon. The Patreon that's on the B that's on the best supporting Patreon. And, and, and that is, I mean, and we've already done this with the best supporting after show where, you yeah. know, all of our, you know, I might go on a 10 minute tangent about how I thought I was fat when I was 12, but more or less we talk about the movie <laughs> we're here to talk about. And then we save things like BSA of the Week and our assignments and what we've been watching and whatnot for the after show. And you may know that because you listen to the after show because you peel your peepers every week for it. Yeah. Well, along with some of these fun bonus episode ideas that you've talked about, the best supporting after show after this week will be moving to Patreon. And going forward, all of the fun that happens on the best supporting after show will be for our Patreons. Yeah, I'm excited. It's like same time, same place. We're just moving to a different neighborhood. Yeah, we're still around. around. Uh, And so what is going to happen is this week, uh, we are, of course, you know, because we're just telling about this, that you are going to get your best supporting after show on Friday. And we are going to be starting our discussion of the second half of the second season of Pen15. Yes. Uh, And normally we don't tell you what's going to happen in the best supporting after show, but I feel like we got to set you up here so you know what's going on. Yeah. After that, we're just going to be talking about the first two episodes and then obviously our BSA of the week and, and assignments and whatnot. But after that, our, we will be continuing our discussion of the second half of the second season of Pen15 on Patreon. So if you enjoy that Pen15 discussion and you want to hear us talk about the one-off episode with Maya's mom. Yeah, and Roni updates. And, and Roni updates. To say nothing of Roni updates, all of that. we got updates. And... <laughs> On top of all of that, for the Patreons, we are also shifting things around a little bit. So now, currently, you get the Best Supporting Podcast on Thursdays, and the Best Supporting After Show comes out on Fridays. Well, moving forward, 
the best supporting podcast will be coming out for everybody on Fridays. But if you are a Patreon, you will get early access and we'll continue to get the episodes on Thursday and then the after show on Friday. So yeah. a couple reasons to maybe consider becoming a Patreon of the best supporting podcast. Yeah, BSATreon is what I said many moons ago when we were first talking about this, and it's it's just so stupid I that it love might it. just work. The BSATreon, the BSATreon. Well, <laughs> we'll see I'm if it sticks. We'll see if it sticks. Well, it, you know, I'm sure there's going to be a link in the notes, but where? What would be the URL if people wanted to go sign up? So the official link is www.patreon.com/slash/bsapod, which is also our Twitter handle. So very easy to it's it's all in the same umbrella. Yeah. So uh, so that is what's going on. Um, well, I suppose I suppose you could continue playing the music. We've made our announcement. You can yes. continue to play us off, but we wanted to make sure we got that in. Uh, your peepers are peeled. You know the best supporting after show is coming tomorrow. You know there's going to be Pen Fifteen talk and Roni talk and assignments and after and and BSA of the week and. Mm. Um, well, gosh, I think uh, I think that, as they say, is that. 